Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of someone's crazy uncle to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the prosecutor's fallacy, also known as confusion of the inverse and the transposed conditional fallacy. So, yeah, this fallacy is another probability and statistics fallacy, Mm -hmm. which is... I find sometimes difficult to get your head around a little bit and, yeah, and yeah. sometimes very counterintuitive. Uh, this yeah. one, for some reason, has been particularly frustrating mentally for me because I'm convinced I've talked about this before. Well, but, yeah, I think that I think we have. But I thought it was like the base rate fallacy, yeah. you know, the ones that are particularly full of numbers where we've kind of gone, oh, yeah, so if you get this number of people involved in accidents who do yeah. are left-handed that kind of stuff <laughs> they they all belong to that kind of family yeah. where you're right it is the counterintuitive bit that's hard to explain because i think it's so hardwired in our uh, intuition to just go oh yeah well that clearly says that absolutely it's one of those things where we're not really quite evolved to deal with this kind of <laughs> probability we're not it just yeah. doesn't doesn't quite work but i think yeah. we've i've talked about things around this area and and maybe touched on a couple of the things that we're going to talk about but yeah this is a it, it's kind of a very specific part of uh, or form of the base rate neglect fallacy, but but it's quite specific. What this is is when someone confuses a statistic or or mixes up the conditional probability. Yeah. So probability not just of a thing happening, but of a of a thing happening given a certain condition. Right. Yep. And you'll see as we go through the examples what that entails and what it means. Our example from Trump is something that he said a few times recently, and he's very proud of, of having found this statistic. He said it in the town hall. Yeah. yeah. And and in a couple of rallies. And it's when he says this. You know, they keep saying nobody wears masks, wear the masks. Although then they come out with things today. Did you see CDC? That 85% of the people wearing the masks catch it. Okay. So he reckons that the CDC have come out with a study that shows that 85% of people who wear masks catch coronavirus. Which, right. just on its face, is obviously not true. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. even 85% of people don't catch it, let alone 85% yeah, well, of people yeah, who wear yeah. masks. Yeah. And um, given the fact that he's so willing to not support the CDC in any of their numbers, yeah. unless it suits him... That that ought to kind of you know ring alarm bells. That you go, well, why is he picked on this particular number? Maybe it isn't true. <laughs> so yeah, where he has got this from is um, a, a reasonably small study, actually, of of um, about three hundred people uh, that the CDC did do, and they looked at the behaviour of one hundred and fifty four people who had tested positive for coronavirus and one hundred and sixty people who had tested negative. Right, and what they were interested in is what the differences between how what these people did and how they behaved, and if they wore masks and if they went to restaurants and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and what they found was of the people who had tested positive, eighty five percent 
said they had either worn a mask always or often over the right. 14 days prior to the onset of their symptoms. Yeah. So that sounds, if you're not paying very much attention, that sounds a bit like 85% of people who wear masks get the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. But it's... But no, it's the other way around. It's, yeah, it's given that these people had yeah, the yeah. coronavirus. So that's the yeah. conditional yeah. in there. Given that they had the coronavirus how many of them wore masks or mm. we you know usually wore masks and it and the, the number is 85 percent. it's a very different statistic yeah. and what they found was that wearing masks um it wasn't really very statistically different between people who tested negative or people who tested positive which you might find interesting but that in no way proves that the masks don't work because what they looked at is what else these people did and the, one of the highest things that, that correlated with whether they had tested positive or not was if they went out to restaurants in the two weeks right. before the onset of the illness. Oh, and obviously, okay. when you're yeah, yeah. in a restaurant, you're not wearing a mask. Yeah. So even if they always we, or often yes. wear masks, if they also go to a restaurant, there are times when they are in public when they're not wearing masks. Yeah. Again, reasonably small study, but they argued that that was probably more of a correlation. Mm. And and yeah, it isn't. None of it says that eighty five percent of people who wear masks get coronavirus at all. No, so actually, it's nearer probably what's the truth to be drawn from those statistics that going to a restaurant is a higher risk of catching coronavirus than not going to a restaurant. Yeah, because absolutely. Yeah you've got to take your mask off. Yeah. You know, not because restaurants are, you know, actually going to a Trump rally, you're more likely to get coronavirus because nobody wears a mask. Yeah. Or, you know, attend a rose garden. It's it's having close contact in public with people who aren't wearing masks. Yeah. That's that's That's, the danger. The conclusion to be drawn. (laughs) Yeah. And and nothing else. So that so just grabbing so he could have easily just as ignorantly grabbed that 85% of people who didn't who didn't get it wore masks. Wore masks, yeah. I mean, that's... But it, that doesn't that, suit his narrative. I mean, that's equally not true uh, yeah. as, as his one, yes. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, but it, yes, yeah. exactly. 85% so it, of the people who didn't... I mean, it's actually at, it's closer to 90%. Of the people who tested negative, yeah. it's, it's 88.7% who wore right. a mask always or often, so slightly okay. higher. But so it's almost yeah. So so if you, if he was not Trump, he might say, <laughs> "Look, eighty-eight percent of the people who didn't get it wore masks. Yeah. So therefore, wear a mask." Yeah, that's you right. Know, it wouldn't. Th- it was the wrong. That would be a more accurate thing than he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, the wrong conclusion to draw from that study. Uh-huh. But yeah, because it doesn't take into account the the conditional it's just you know it blunt numbers so yeah. and then to say that the cdc said this were they were they didn't yeah so again if we were looking at the base rate fallacy we might we might compare that number of of you know the people who had who tested positive who wore masks to yeah. the number of people in the general population who wear masks yeah because if yeah. actually the number of people in the general population who wear masks is 90%, then if – and again, none of these figures are right, but yeah. <laughs> we're, taking, yeah. we're taking Trump's one here. So if yeah. he was right that 85% of people uh, 
who wear masks. No, I'm still, I still, I can't even be as wrong as him when I'm trying. It's really, it's really hard. <laughs> I know. How does he do it? It's like a willful act on his part, or is yeah. it? Or it's just testament to the fact you do have to be utterly ignorant <laughs> of it and and willfully picking numbers out of the air, which he does. Let's face it. Um, to support your case, it's 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 hard when you look at the stuff intelligently, even with our difficulty in grasping these statistical <laughs> things. When you look at it intelligently, it's difficult to make the same errors that he makes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And now is the time I think for Mark's British politics corner. Well, this one I'm kind of indebted to Jim and also a guy called Gianluca on Statistica.it. So he's in Italian. It was in perfect English, so maybe it's been translated or he's bilingual. I got pointed to uh, this episode of BBC Politics Live, which went out on the 8th of March 2019. Oh, those heady days when all we had to talk about was Brexit. So, And this is a conversation between um, author and essayist and commentator Will Self, who is often described as lugubrious. But during this interview, I realised actually what he is, is he's the thinking man's Johnny Rotten. Not that Johnny Rotten isn't a thinking man, but he's the way he just behaves and, and goads people who are clearly stupid is a delight to watch. Um, and he's in conversation with Marc Françoise, who's ironically French-sounding Eurosceptic at best and a raging xenophobe at worst, Essex MP. And this is in conclusion of their discussion about whether the Brexit vote was a protest against the European project or simply a vehicle for wooing the right-wing populist white supremacist vote away from Nigel Farage's party and towards the Tory party in the selfish pursuit of power. Since 2016, your problem really, Mark, is not that you, you have to be a racist or an anti-Semite to vote for Brexit. It's just that every racist and anti-Semite in the country did. I think that's a slur so, on 17.4 million people. It's not. And I think you should apologise on national television. I think that's an outrageous thing to say. Oh, well, you seem to find a lot of things outrageous, though, don't you? But, Will, is it fair so to say that? Are you saying that 17.4 million people no, I'm are, saying, are, no, I'm are saying, racist and bigots because no. they voted to leave the European Union? No, that's not what I said. That's pretty close to what you said. What did you it's say? It's not remotely what it, close so to what, what I said. So what exactly are you saying? Because you've basically tried to slur anybody who voted leave as a bigot. Well, no, he hasn't. <laughs> I love that. When he said, well, that's pretty close to what you said, <laughs> except it's the absolute opposite of what you said when he said it's not remotely what I said. Yeah. It's basically what he's said is that the proportion of leavers out of racists where L voted, that's what he's talking about, that proportion, where the leavers L is voted leave and R is racists. And um, uh, Francoise is deliberately or otherwise probably a bit of ignorance and political expediency is saying that Will Self said, actually, you're talking about the proportion of R over L the other way around. So therefore that 17.4 million are racists and anti-Semites. He's not. Anyone who voted leave as a bigot is not the same as saying anyone who is a bigot voted leave. Which is that's what Will yeah. Self is saying. Yeah, and Mark yeah, because in in Mark... a in a great world where there's only like ten bigots, yeah. you could you could say anyone who's a bigot voted leave, and leave still only gets a very small number of votes, and yeah. and any votes above ten they had were were not voted by bigots because you're not saying anyone who voted leave is a bigot. It's a totally different statistic. Yes, yes. 
So, and, and in fact, in, in order to conclude what Francoise has, has concluded, that Will Self is calling all 17.4 million racists, we need to know what proportion of voter, vote, leave voters are racists. And because that isn't a required tick box on voting <laughs> slips in the UK, well, not yet anyway, we can't know that. So Will doesn't know so isn't able he's not even he's not able to say what Francoise has said he said in fact he says I didn't I didn't say that at all and then later on he says well how do you know they voted that he said I don't and you know, he doesn't need to in order to maintain that you know all the people that that our bigots voted leave because he isn't maintaining all those people who voted leave are bigots What's interesting is that the BBC host says, "Are you saying that, Will?" She doesn't get it either. <laughs> she, you know, and the, and the fact that she kind of gets gish galloped and steamrolled by Mark Francois saying, "That's an outrageous thing to say." You know, I'm I'm outraged. He said, "Well, you do get outraged at all sorts of things," and that is brilliant. After you must watch it because after this exchange. There's this staring competition between Will Self and Mark Francois. Will Self is just not going to break his gaze, and they're sat right next to each other in the and in you know in the days before COVID. So it looks uncomfortably close, and um, it's brilliant. And they just got you know, even even into the fade out, you know, where they do that thing where they take the studio lights down and leave them in silhouette. There they are, still staring at each other. It's brilliant. So yeah, so the um, and. I agree with the with Jan Luca when he echoes Will Self's point that I honestly have no idea whether all the racists and anti-Semites would in fact be leavers, but I suspect that the proportion might be very high. But that is beside the point. What really matters is that politicians like Mark Francois, not writers like Will Self, have no excuse for ignorance of these things, and particularly when they try and score political points off them, which is what he was doing, particularly when trying to make out that those opposing their utilisation of racist whistling ideologies are the racists. And that's what Francoise and Boris Johnson does. My, Nigel Farage does it. Uh, Pretty Patel does it. Is that they shift the argument to make it look like the people that are calling out their racism are the racists. And this is, you know, the classic switcheroo and Will Self is going, well, I didn't re remotely say that. What I said is something completely different from what you think I said. So my second example, actually, is like a long quote from an article in the Daily Telegraph about coronavirus, which is to do with, and we touched on this before, about false positives. And the clickbaity headline is statistical quirk means coronavirus pandemic may never officially end. So and it's fundamentally talking about the phenomena of false positives and uh, this particular reader, a telegraph reader and Leicester resident, they're currently under tier three lockdown, Andrew Bent of Stonygate tested positive, even though his wife, daughter and son all tested negative. He'd been wearing a mask outside, opening parcels with gloves, been observing social distancing measures, went to get, uh, had a test, came back positive so he concluded that because he, he was doing the same thing as the rest of the his family that all tested negative, he went and had another test um, and it came back negative. But his first, his original positive result on the track and trace system, surprise, surprise, couldn't be um, 
replaced with the negative. So, um, as a consequence, Mark Woolhouse, who's currently the uh, advisor to the government and keeps popping up and saying, well, we need to have a much stronger lockdown than this, or, you know, the numbers that, are, that they're using don't actually say that story. He says this is the public health version of the prosecutor's fallacy, where just because a rare event has happened, such as testing positive for coronavirus, we think it can only have one cause. Whereas if it was a lower prevalence, we actually face a higher probability that other factors can be involved. And because there are lots and lots of testing, we the, the false positives get read as actual positives. Yeah. So the you know the, he's saying the the positive predictive value is much lower when there's not a lot of disease around of any diagnostic test that's potentially a concern and can lead to misdiagnosis. Yeah, it's the kind and, of signal to noise ratio. If there's mm, if yep. there's a high signal, if there's lots and lots of coronavirus in the population, then the noise of the false positives doesn't make much of a difference. Yeah. But but you'll never get to a point where even if there aren't any cases um no one is testing positive because of the problem of false positives yeah so yeah 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 it so that looks like it's yeah. gone away but, but yeah 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 i mean i don't it's the, it's a weird problem to be worrying about at the moment <laughs> yeah yeah but it's but what it will is... we do when no one gets sick anymore but we're still testing positive <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. it'll just go, well, then somebody will self, hopefully, will just go, yeah, you know what? You're looking at the portion the wrong way round. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? It's that. It's, it is a, it, and it uses Bayes' theorem, which we've talked about before and we can't remember where, you know, <laughs> which, which kind of just goes, okay, yeah, you see, the proportion of this over that doesn't equal that over this. Yeah, Bayes' theorem is a way of working out. Um, conditional probabilities uh. um, the probability of something happening given another thing having already happened yeah um, and it's a, it takes it into account and the yeah. prosecutor's fallacy doesn't yeah and that's the thing to go back to and kind of rely on numbers and theory <laughs> and number yeah number theory the and the intractable truth of maths which yeah. you know in the current climate nobody kind of does you know there's there are I was having a, a troubling conversation um with the, the uh, member of my coronavirus bubble about whether it's true that you can that whether facts are true or whether there's such a thing as alternative facts you know is it true for me when it's true for you oh it was because we were talking about social dilemma again and and our podcast which is available if you join the <laughs> become a patron go listen to our podcast about the social dilemma and in that we kind of established that the some of the arguments that they were putting forward weren't based on the truth and so and the the people that I was watching it with including the person I'm talking about were taking issue with that because they were saying oh yeah but for me that's true and you go well no truth if you like is a like a Pantone color reference that's the same for everybody, whether you're red, green, color blind or not. You know, that's the, that's the thing. And the, and maths belongs to that. And the interpretation of maths is a, is like belief and it's not knowledge. 
So, you know, it's good that Bayes' theorem exists because even if it's a head fuck trying to work out how to do it, it points out that you need to take into account the other probability (laughs) and not just go, well, you said 17.4 million people are racists. Yeah, yeah. You need to make sure you're not transposing your conditionals in a confused manner. (laughs) Yes. Talking to you, Marc Francoise. No one would have believed in the closing months of 2020 that human arguments were being monitored by intelligences far greater than ours. The chances of finding fallacies in the wild are a million to one There we go, Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds there on the eve of the war. <laughs> Chances of anything coming from Mars are millions to one, they said. Still, they came. So yeah. perhaps they were wrong in reading that proportion. Yeah, in the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our two examples in this section this week come from the formation of the name the prosecutor's fallacy, which is because ah, this is yep. a thing that comes up in legal arguments yep. sometimes. Yep. And there's a couple of... there's various cases that you'll find if you search for this fallacy and and legal Mm. cases. But one of the most famous is uh, one called People versus Collins from 1968, which was a a case where a woman in Los Angeles was uh, was robbed and a, a witness saw two people kind of fleeing the scene of the crime. Mm. And evidence that that witness gave the the description that that person gave of the people was that there was a black man with a beard and a mustache a uh, a white woman with blonde hair in a ponytail and they were together in a yellow car right and that's basically it that's all the information they had right a couple were later uh, kind of investigated and i i have looked into this i haven't quite been able to figure out how these people were identified as right. as kind of possible suspects but but it it wasn't as far as i can tell based on any kind of forensic evidence or anything you know oh, right. that, that led a, them to these people they they there were wasn't perhaps... a, isn't a frightening database that just um, <laughs> records what color car you've got and no, what color no. people you are that drive it uh, no, not as far as I know. Okay, um, okay good. <laughs> but this couple, Malcolm and Janet Collins, were questioned by police and they essentially kind of fitted the description. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malcolm Collins is a black man, or was, I don't know if he's still alive, it's 1968, right. could be. Um, uh, he did have a moustache. He didn't at the time he was being questioned by police have a beard, but yeah. he sometimes had a beard, <laughs> apparently. Right, um, right. And uh, had shaved it off, according to him, a couple of weeks before. But, you know, there's, there was some question over that. Um, yeah. His his wife, Janet, was uh, a white woman who had dark blonde hair and wore it sometimes in a ponytail. They had yeah. a yellow car with a white top. 
Um, and that, I mean, largely seemed to be all of the evidence that was against them. They right, they right. they could have been in the area at the time. They lived kind of close enough, or or the um, uh, on that date, uh, Malcolm had picked Janet up from work at lunchtime and driven her somewhere, and and they could arguably been in the area at that time. Right. Um, but what the prosecutors did when they went to trial uh, against these people uh, being accused of robbery was they got a. Uh, um, basically a math teacher <laughs> from a local college right. um, to to talk about probability um, and to talk about the fact that um, if this robbery was committed by a white woman with a blonde ponytail who left the scene with a black man with a beard and a moustache in a yellow car, what were the chances um, of of kind of a random couple fitting that description? Right. Um and although he said, you know, that this is, I'm just making this up, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they worked out, they, or they, they estimated those chances in the court case. So they said, like, roughly one in 10 cars is, is yellow. Yeah. Roughly one in four men in 1968 had a mustache. Yeah. Um, roughly one in 10 women wore their hair in a ponytail. Roughly one in three white women had blonde hair. Um, right. And roughly one in 10 black men had a beard and right. also which is a weird extra thing the the fact that they're an interracial couple was a like one in a thousand one in a thousand couples are mixed race or interracial in california in in california at right. that time yes Los Angeles. okay even though but, it's the 60s. but okay. no they didn't look that stuff up <laughs> oh oh, they, the, oh right the, yeah just, they just oh, okay. like they asked they, the maths teacher what do you think? Yeah, yeah. what do you reckon? Anyway, well, and he came up you know, with these numbers and the prosecutor what? went, all right, then let's let's put those numbers down in a table. And the math teacher testified to the fact that when you are mixing probabilities, when you're adding one probability to another, basically you multiply yeah. them together. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if you have if you flip a, a fair coin twice, the chance of it of getting heads on the first flip is a half. The chance of getting heads on two flips in a row is a quarter because you multiply a half by a half. So what they did is they multiplied all of those those probabilities yeah. together. They got a massive and they number. came up with one in 12 million. Right. So that right. was their their theory as yeah. to basically what they what they had worked out was if you pick a couple at random yeah. there's a one in 12 million chance that they will be an interracial couple. The black man has a beard and a moustache. The woman yeah. is white with a ponytail and blonde hair, and they have a yellow car. Right. One in 12 million. So they turned that into that that means there's a one in 12 million chance that we've got the wrong people here. Because like, right. it's so unlikely yeah. that any given yeah. couple is going to fit all these descriptors. Yeah. But that's not how it works. That's not no. how any of this works. That's just going, well, it's really unlikely that it's them yeah, then. Absolutely. So yeah. the what they should have done, and here's where they missed the conditional, is um the fact that these couple this couple fits all those descriptions, given that, what is the chances that they are the people we're looking for? Mm. That's yeah. the question that they needed to yeah. ask. And that is not a one in twelve million chance. Um, 
it's uh, i mean in fact the the maths has been done on that <laughs> right right and um the probability that a second couple as distinctive as the one described by the prosecution's witnesses exceeds 4 out of 10 um so there's like a there's a 40% chance basically that there is another couple in that area in Ca- the california in the los angeles area who who might have been you know possibly at the scene or or could have been at the scene who fit yep. that description so wow that's a lot lower that's that's yeah absolutely yeah so so that becomes the the chances that you've just randomly got the right one becomes like a just two out of five chance <laughs> yeah 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 which something is a like lot, that so no, three you, out of five three out of five because there's a 40 percent chance that there yeah that there's another which, mean, couple. which you wouldn't and you kind of go well okay well that's not a that's not enough to prosecute anyone you know, we've we've only got a three out of five chance that yeah. these are the right people. Therefore, we will keep looking. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we and we will listen to their <laughs> alibi and go, well, yeah, that kind of corresponds with the fact that we probably haven't got the right person and you weren't there at the time and you haven't worn a beard for a week and we <laughs> haven't had Popeye Doyle staking out every yellow VW in the city. Yeah. So, and and the, yeah. the thing is, another part of this is that they actually, when they worked out those probabilities or just guessed at them, one thing they didn't consider is the fact that some of those those are related. Like, for yeah. example, a black man with a beard might be more likely to have a moustache than yes. a person without a beard. <laughs> yeah. So those unless, two... Unless he was a devotee of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. Or Amish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I want the probabilities of that. Yeah, Yeah. I'd say probably less than one in twelve million. But yeah, and 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 the fact that you have picked in in your conditional probabilities a black man and a white woman, and then added an interracial couple. I mean, by definition, if if one of the couple is a black man and the other one is a white woman, yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's what they are, and and that you've added that on. To you know, raise it to another power of ten. Yeah, yeah. it's like employing the infinite probability drive on the half yeah. goal, doesn't it? And then go, well, it's not impossible; it's just massively improbable. So we'll put those numbers in, and you know, out it churns. You know, the the probability that we're all knitted from wool is probably that's more probable than the fact that we can get to from this point in the universe to the other in three days. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. So, did the, the it must have been thrown out? Then, no, they ultimately. they were convicted. Whoa! Um, and it was it was. I mean, once that had been established, they there were some other things that kind of pointed um, at suspicion, rather than like the, I think Malcolm had a criminal record and uh, he had paid a couple of traffic fines with a similar amount of money to the money the amount of money that was claimed was stolen and things like that but mm. but it's i mean very circumstantial yeah and and yeah. The, the conviction it appears was very much based on the the kind of the, the statistics and the probability that was touted in court by the prosecutor and and the prosecutor very clearly made the case that because the prob- the probability of finding a random couple with that with these um, descriptors is mm. one in twelve million. That means there's only a one in twelve million chance that we've got the wrong people. Yeah, which is yeah, not yeah. how that works. <laughs> no, so did, uh, it did, was did, it was overturned on appeal. 
but um but yes they they were Happy convicted up. in the original case and well i hope they got 12 million um nah, no it's not like 68 before he didn't get anything yeah yeah there you go no yeah. <laughs> no jesus so, yeah wow wow so our second uh, example a bit closer yep. to home is a solicitor called sally clark who in 1999 was convicted of the murder of uh, her first two children. And basically three years earlier, her first child, Christopher, had died just under three months old. And it was diagnosed basically as uh, sudden infant death syndrome, cot death, SIDS. Mm. Yeah. Just over a year later, her second child, Harry, died at the age of two months. And because it's rare for there to be two two children in a family dying of of sudden infant death syndrome. It was questioned, it was looked into, and basically they decided that it was suspicious. And part of that, well, a lot of that was based on the the, the statistics of it, the probability of something Mm. like Mm. that happening. So when when, when was this? 1999. All right, so I'm just wondering whether it was in the febrile atmosphere that brought about all those... Uh, foundationless child abuse accusations. The kind of satanic panic as well. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's probably in, a bit in that after kind that, of era. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, so in the trial, they uh, called a, uh, a doctor, a, a highly respected expert in the field of child abuse, a, a man called um, Professor Roy Meadow, who had written a textbook about it and and that kind of stuff and what he did was look at the rates for SIDS incidents in different kinds of households and and different risk factors and they were looking at things like whether anyone in the household smokes whether people in the household had had a job basically if you have at least one person with a job in the house there's a lower risk of cot death and stuff like that Mm -hmm. they found that in this particular household there were none of these risk factors and the risk, therefore, of one child dying of cot death is uh, one in 8,543 8, live births. Right. And then what Professor Meadow did, who is not a statistician but a mm-hmm. doctor, is thought, OK, well, two children, that's that's one in 8,543 times one in 8,543. Uh, which gives you approximately a one in seventy-three million chance that so this that this yeah. would have happened by chance. Yeah. So they did the same thing and said, "Well, there's yeah, exactly. There's what? So it's obviously deliberate." Yeah. Well, first of all, that's wrong. Um, just the, yeah. the statistics of that. I mean, even at the time, even in fact, in the the study uh, by the confidential inquiry into sudden infant, sudden death in infancy study mm-hmm. that he was quoting those incidence numbers from. Even in that study, they talk about other risk factors like the fact mm. that male children are more likely to to have uh, SIDS than female children. And right. and various other factors, but also they talk about the possibility of hereditary or familial diseases or, or mm. um, factors that might influence that. Obviously, if, you, could, you could be genetically predisposed yeah, to two children in one household, yeah. in yeah. one family. Yeah, there may be genetic factors. There may be environmental factors. You know, they may have been sleeping in the same nursery yep. 
for example, they are going to share a lot of factors in common. So assuming that those are two in- independent incidences and just squaring the number is mm. initially insane. Um, yeah. But but also then deciding that because the chances of that happening to this particular family is one in 73 million, therefore by far the more likely option is that she murdered her children. Yeah. Is... That- yeah, that's not how yeah. that works. <laughs> no, no, that because yeah, the, that becomes a kind of a a false dilemma, doesn't yeah. it? Was either it's a one in seventy million chance, or she killed them. And yeah, there are no no other. There's a couple of factors here: base rate fallacy based. Mm-hmm. The the fact that something only happens one in seventy three million times um, means it happens. Yeah. It, yeah. There's a lot of people, <laughs> yeah. and therefore, one in seventy-three million things happen sometimes. One slight alternative name for this fallacy that I've seen is reductio ad unlikely, which is yeah. basically saying that just because something seems really, really unlikely to happen doesn't mean it's impossible. And if you act like it's impossible, then then you're committing a fallacy, obviously. And and that's basically yeah. what Roy Meadows did here. This was uh, treated as if. One in seventy-three million is is therefore the chance that um, that they had the wrong reason mm. that these children had died. The innocence factor is so unlikely that therefore they must be guilty. That's yeah. the fallacy, isn't it? That's yeah. The, I mean, essentially, wrong. Yes, it's 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 so unlikely that that this would happen that the only other op- option really is another thing I can think of. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. and. And what they haven't done here is the conditional, which is given uh, – because what they've looked at, the one in 73 million is for a random family. Mm. What are the chances? If you pick a family, then they have two children. It's a one in 73 million chance that those children will both die of cot death. What they're looking at here is for a family – given that both of this family's children have died of cot death – what is the chance that that was actually the cause? Though mm. you know, in a yeah, yeah, you've already Look got that. Other this other has out. already yeah, happened. Yeah. yeah. So, so in this particular family where two of the children have died, the odds that it was cot death are actually reasonably high. Yeah. The odds that the mother murdered her two babies—that's yeah. quite rare too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my next question. <laughs> yeah. What, so if you what, compare those, so you, yeah, those possibilities, you murder one and then the other. Yeah. What it does is force you to look at the fact that this has happened, and therefore let's look at the cause rather than. So it's so unlikely, therefore it can't have happened. No, no. It's just rare to have happened. But it's happened. One of Let's the witnesses happened. One of the witnesses who provided evidence during the pre-trial proceedings, so before the jury was there, said that mm. according to his own research into repeat unexpected infant deaths, in, in other words, second deaths in the same family, one third were caused by rare but uh, but known natural causes. So not SIDS, but another medical cause. Mm-hmm. One third were associated with child abuse, so probably murder, and mm. one third were sudden infant death syndrome. So even among his own data, two-thirds of the cases were not murders <laughs> mm. yeah. of, of two children dying in the same family. Yeah. Um, 
which kind of if you use that data gives this a likelihood of you know a two two in three chance of of Sally Clark being innocent. Um, so yeah, again, unfortunately, she was convicted on that basis on on that uh, statistics on the probability. Again, it was overturned on appeal, but yep. I mean, her life was utterly destroyed, and unfortunately, well, yeah. she she became alcoholic and died soon after. But um, it was a horrific miscarriage of justice, and it was based on a doctor trying to be a statistician and using those statistics mm, completely mm. wrongly. And yeah, just not approaching it from the right direction, approaching it as if they did they had no information about this case and they were starting from scratch, whereas yeah. actually they had a lot of information. So to lighten the tone a bit, <laughs> yep. and and also to illustrate the the the, the mindfuckness of this, is <laughs> yeah, is an interesting paradox that kind of uses this a bit. It's called the boy or girl paradox. So right. imagine a situation where you have a, a new family move in next door to you and you know they have two children yeah and you see one of the children in the garden and it's a boy uh, right. so what are the chances that their other child is a girl so they've got two two children you know they've got two children two children what you see one chances? of them and it's a boy yeah what are the chances, are the chances their other child the other is a girl, a girl? Uh, well it could could be a so the other the other options are it could be a boy or it could be a girl. Uh -huh. So one would think, well, it's one in two. You would 50, think fifty percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you be surprised to find that the odds are actually two thirds likelihood that it's a girl? Yeah, that is counterintuitive. So there's some something there that I'm not quite happy <laughs> that it's that is what fifty percent, but that it's actually two thirds. Because you might think. And I certainly did before I read this that that those two pieces of data are independent of each other. Right. The fact that the fact that you've seen a boy, the other child is is either a boy or a girl. We yeah. obviously recognise there are not only two genders. This is for the for yeah, the purposes yeah. of yeah. maths for, for testing um, purposes only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yes, it's, it, assuming that, then then yeah, boy or girl essentially. There's there's in the population roughly fifty one percent female to forty nine percent male. So yeah, you would think one in two. So here's the the reason for that essentially mm -hmm. is that um, when you know that there are um, two children and let's assume they're different ages, they're not twins. Yeah. So there's four possible kind of permutations of that. There's there's boy boy, mm -hmm. older boy, younger girl. Older girl, younger boy, and girl, girl. Right. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And those are all equally likely. So you're, you know, you, the, the chances of a couple having a, the first child who is a, uh, a boy is 50%. And then yeah. it works out, it's a quarter, it's 25% chance each time. Right. But because you've seen a boy in the garden, you know that the girl, girl option is not on the table. Right, yep, yep. Which leaves you with three possible options. Right. Two of which include a girl. The, yep. the older boy, younger girl, older girl, younger boy options. Yep, yep. Boy, boy is, a, is one of three equally likely options. Right, okay. So, the, so each the, one, each of those yep. three options is a 33% chance and because there's two of those options include a girl... 
there's there's a sixty six point six percent chance that the other child is a girl. It sounds weird, and it is. Yeah, weird. yeah. And I, as I said, yeah. this is one where it's really difficult to get your head around. Yeah. And this, and there is contention around this, even among mathematicians. People say, well, you know, there are there are groups which say, well, that's clearly nonsense, and here's why. And there's other groups which say, no, it's obviously right, and here's why. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's it is difficult to get your head around, and it and the fact is that if you knew that uh, the boy that you saw was the older child mm-hmm. of the two, then, that then, would reduce, reduce then the it's 50-50. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and that's the weird thing about conditional probability is when you have more or less information, it actually changes the probability of something you don't yet know. Well, and the fact that you don't take that conditional piece of information yeah. into account reflects how we are as humans exactly yeah yeah apart from the guy that invented bayes theorem who wasn't called bay yeah um <laughs> he was called something else yeah there was a magazine columnist named uh, marilyn vossavant who um asked her she talked about this paradox in her column mm. and she asked her readers for information she asked them if you are fra- a family with two children one of whom is male yep. uh, what is your other child is it a boy or a girl and the response that she got from her readers was that um, in 65% of cases, the other child right. was a girl. Wow. And this is a reasonably good sample size. There's about seventeen, eighteen thousand 18,000 uh, readers that she had that, that responded yeah. to this survey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she she kind of tested the maths and it worked. So, yeah. Wow. It's, it's... And yet that – and how does that sit with – yeah, that's there's the yeah because she was fitting notion, fully, fitting in that conditional where, yeah, where yeah. one of your one of your two children must be a boy. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and it, but it's at odds with you know it's about fifty 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 one yeah. forty eight you know a Brexit ratio of <laughs> girls to boys in the world and uh-huh. yet I guess well because the condition is those people that have children and whose firstborn is a boy yeah. Or at least one of his, but then what's the, yeah, there's the, because you've got to take into account the unspoken conditionals. So we're going to, we're going to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news. The game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up. And Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. See, I much prefer the ratio of 60 over 26. So it's a much higher ratio of score than uh, than the other way around when i think it's unfair that you every week you read the smaller number over the bigger number <laughs> it's just you know it's patently what are the chances of that happening yeah 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 well the chances of you getting one right <laughs> yeah so far if yeah. we look at if we're given given all of the um ones that we've played so far are 26 out of 60 um uh, but who knows what could happen this time? That is not necessarily predictive of of this particular instance. So uh, the the theme this week is just yeah. uh, Trump has. I mean, I think since he's returned from from hospital, has just been even crazier. Uh, his rallies, he's just he's kind of lost it. And in part, yeah, no, but one, nobody's kind of going. Yeah, do you know what? We shouldn't have given him those yeah. test test drugs, or uh, <laughs> we shouldn't have let him out. Yes, yeah. So uh, one uh, that I haven't used this week 
which was I, <laughs> right. because I think it's it's you, you may have seen it already, but it's was was his appearance at Erie, uh, where he basically said, you know, I don't want to be here. Oh yeah, <laughs> that weird thing when he yeah. said, if if it hadn't been for the fact that I'm losing, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, essentially. And kind of go, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah well, and we, all the crowd were like, yeah. Yay. Yeah. He want <laughs> to going, be here. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for coming. Yeah. That's yeah. Just that so weird. But yeah, I thought you'd probably heard, have heard that one. So that was a complete so kind of meta experience, yeah. wasn't it? Because you know, was he was he just saying any old shit and they would just cheer? As he just realised it, was he just playing them because he couldn't be asked any longer? Yeah, basically, I can call yeah. these people rubes and they'll still cheer. Yeah, they'll um, still go, yeah, yeah, and they, and it's go, true. You know, lock they me do. up, and they'll so, go, yeah, lock me up, yeah. yeah. Or is it didn't, yeah, it's just crazy. So this is stuff he said at rallies because uh, yeah. he's he's been accelerating. If anything, his his number of rallies that he's done, he's done, uh, I think, three in a day at some point. Um, yeah. And yeah, he's. I mean, obviously, he hasn't got much to talk about. So he's doing the greatest hits, the you know, yeah, Crooked Hillary, yeah. and and all of that stuff. But yeah. he's he occasionally comes out with something novel, and so right. these are some things that he said. <laughs> he's not said quite so often. Okay. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. uh, statement number one. Yeah. I spoke to Netanyahu the other day. He's a great. Uh, they call him Bibi. Bibi. I don't know why he likes it. I guess. But, you know, I've met a lot of great people since I've been... I've met a lot of not-so-great people, too, let me tell you. Some of the not-so-great people, I don't even want to say names. Some of them you might be surprised by. Some of them had very important jobs, but they don't now. Okay. (laughs) Um, Number number two, uh, he's getting tired of hearing about COVID, apparently. He said, "Uh, that's all I hear about it now, that's all I hear. Turn on television, COVID, 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 COVID. A plane goes down. 500 people dead. They don't talk about it. COVID, 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 COVID. By the way, on November 4th, you won't hear about it anymore. It's true. COVID, COVID. Please don't go and vote. COVID, please do not under any cert. You cannot go and vote. What the hell? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. And All statement right. number three. <clears throat> yeah. I said, first lady, am I the most handsome president ever? Yes, absolutely. I said, who could top me? Well, she said, well, JFK was good looking, but nothing like you. Nothing like you, darling. Now you go home and you see this crazy CNN. Fortunately, their ratings are terrible, which is great. But you'll see them say Donald Trump said he's better than looking than JFK. You'll see. They're sick people. <laughs> oh, my God. You see, trouble is, it's as ever, or increasingly, <laughs> perhaps... They've just got so unhinged, you could write anything. You know, we could just switch on the AI generator again and it would just it would come up with stuff that's more cogent than than that. I quite like the look of the COVID, COVID, COVID one. And that bit, please don't go and vote, sounds... And on November the 4th, you won't hear about it anymore because it will just be switched off because that fits into yeah, his grand it's all a hoax isn't it so. yeah it's all a hoax yeah yeah mm-hmm. okay netanyahu some yeah that yeah okay all right i'm gonna go for i okay i think number three is the one that you made up okay so of the other two you think the covid one is more i do convincing yeah okay. yeah so Number two yeah. Yeah. is yeah. real. <gasps> That's all I hear about now. 
That's all I hear. Turn on television. Right? COVID, 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 COVID. A plane goes down. 500 people dead. They don't talk about it. COVID, 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 COVID. By the way, on November 4th, you won't hear about it anymore. It's true. COVID, COVID. Please don't go and vote COVID. Please do not, under any circumstances, you cannot go out and vote. Well, nobody's saying that at all, are they? And and actually, you you could say anything and then say, well, they don't talk about that because everyone's talking about COVID. Yeah. You know, you could say a meteor struck and killed everyone in India, but they don't talk about that because of COVID. <laughs> are they? Yeah. What? That? Mm. I mean, obviously, we didn't it's a dem- miss it's, a plane yeah. crash. <laughs> yeah. That hasn't yeah, yeah. happened. No. Um, yeah, and it's all it's all the Democrat um, plot, the whole COVID thing. Yeah, Democrat plot stop people voting, and yet, and yet, he, but he wants people to go out and vote, and yet he doesn't. Actually, what he wants is Republican voters to go out and vote, yeah, and vote for him, or ultimately vote for the party and then vote for him. What he doesn't and the, want and the, to do the is, thing is Democrats it's a weird. It's a weird comparison to draw that the government that the media aren't talking about like if a plane went down and five hundred people died, yeah, because a lot more than five hundred people have died, yeah, it's yeah. basically in it the would last be a relief eight months if only yeah that, if, that many had died if, yeah if in the last eight months um a a, a plane with five hundred people on had gone down twice a day every day. Yeah, that's how many people have died. If yeah. the if that wasn't being covered by the media, fucking hell. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and he and if, would be the first if, one to come. Yeah, to and if and if that right. happened, if two planes like they'd have to be like big Airbuses to carry five hundred. Yeah. I don't know what kind of planes carry five hundred people, but if two Airbuses yeah. went down every yeah. day for eight months, and the American president was like, "Yeah, we'll learn to live with it." Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll stop. Fucking happening. hell. Well, <laughs> and also, because cause air, air safety has gone up since well, yeah. he's been president, so, you know, it wouldn't happen. So he would ju- he would blame that on Sleepy Joe or Hillary or Obama. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so right. you also think that number one is real? I think the Netanyahu one is real, yeah. And number one is yeah. fake news. Oh, nice! Good work. And and to be honest, that is completely. Sometimes I base them on things he said. This yeah. one, I realised about ten ready. minutes before we started recording, I hadn't done the, the fake fake news. And you just made. And one I up. thought, oh fuck, I've just got to write something. Wow. And I just wrote like stream of consciousness bullshit. Yeah. And that is yeah, so good. Reasonably Trumpian. <laughs> it is. It is because he just it, that whole thing of well, what got me was. That you can hear him, hear himself say something, which then leads him off down a path, <laughs> as though he's being interviewed. But well, obviously not because there's tough questions involved. But yeah. but he kind of goes, you know, I've met a lot of great people. I've met a lot of not so great people. Let me tell you. And then he goes off on the list, and he just <laughs> it's a, it's an infinitely bouncing ball. Yeah. It just gets smaller yeah. and smaller. That's what I was going for. Was was no coherence and no brilliant. No, that is brilliant. Thoughts following on from the previous. Yeah, one. yeah, that is fantastic. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> I love, I love, I love, yeah, even that little gag. Well, I don't know why they call him that. I guess he liked it. That 
No, yeah. that's not the reason yeah. people just, end uh, up with nicknames. You make yeah. up nicknames all the time, <laughs> you fool. Yeah. Wow. So, that, oh, my God, so that go. means then that means he, he's comparing himself with JFK. He is, and indeed. And the fact that when CNN report that, they're sick. They're sick, yeah. yeah. Mm. Here we go. Okay. I said, First Lady, am I the most handsome president ever? Yes, absolutely. I said, who could top me? Well, she said, well, JFK was good looking, but nothing like you. Nothing like you, darling. Now you go home and you see this crazy CNN. Fortunately, their ratings are terrible, which is great. But, but you'll see them say, Donald Trump said he's better looking than JFK. You'll see. They're sick people. I mean, he literally did just say that. It's just... What? <laughs> Well, he 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 put it in the mouth of Melania. Yeah, but but he literally just said it. <laughs> yeah, and then the, then CNN, so on which this was aired, <laughs> say he says he's better looking. At, well, yeah, you just it's like we're I'm bigger than Jesus. Well, he almost said that as well. Yeah. recently, didn't he? Yeah, in that kind of yeah. I am you know there's only one person bigger than me right now. It's Jesus in a kind of perverse. Um, flipping on its head of what was, you know, what the Republicans <laughs> accused the the Bible Belt accused Lenin of saying. Uh, just what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Oh. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, that means that you didn't. Oh, win. No. Well, I don't mind um. losing to that because that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good for, particularly since it took you like a minute, right? <laughs> it just shows you what Trump. You know how much, yeah, how much we've studied yeah. him for so long. <laughs> oh my god, we definitely need help. If you can just go, there you go, and then I buy it. Yeah, we just we know how to do it. No. Yes, it's time for the part of the show that this week at least is called But His Emails is not a logical fallacy, it's a Hail Mary. Because because they decided that email scandals worked in 2016, so why not try it all over again? Do that, yeah. Let's let's bring up the ghost of Hillary Clinton, crooked Hillary, who, you know, disappeared, not in jail, but, you know, has disappeared from the scene. Um, And... Yeah, let's, whilst that's in your mind, let's make up some email stuff. This is amazing. So have you listened to the recording of the interview with um, the guy who's, yeah, who this, runs the shop? So this is a guy, um, Isaac is his, I think his surname, Mac Isaac. Um, yeah, uh, who, John Paul Mac Isaac. John, that's right, John Paul Mac yeah. Isaac, who runs a, a, a computer repair shop in Delaware. Yep. Hunter Biden incidentally lives in LA. Uh who Not claims next door, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who claims yeah. that Hunter Biden brought in three laptops yep. um, one, with, two, with water damage um yep. that he wanted fixed, uh, or at least the data recovered from or something like that. Yep. Then took two of them away again, but left one with him in the shop. Yeah. Um but he's not sure it was Hunter Biden. Because um, he's blind. It's a, medic, it's a medical. He's medic. He, yeah, he he's, couldn't see. He is registered blind, apparently. 
which yeah. is, I think, amazing for a computer repair person. Well, I think that's why? pretty Yeah, but you see, with amazing. a name like Mac Isaac, he, yeah. kind of, he was born to it, really, wasn't he? So, um, yeah. so yeah. yeah. The, and, and, and of the, the remaining laptop, the remaining MacBook that was left at this shop, uh, which he charged $85 uh, for to repair, um, to, to, I guess, back up or restore uh, yeah. the data... And um, yeah, and, and that was just that was just left there. Nobody ever mm. came back for it. No, no. Um, so after a while, as all respectable computer um, software engineers and and computer yeah. maintenance people do, he, he thought we'd have a look. A recovery, mate. Just have a look. Yeah, at what was on there? I'll just check uh, it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and he found some very suspicious emails. Um, Mm. And 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 thought best thing to do with these is uh, call the FBI. Obviously, well, uh, that's the yeah, most yeah. yeah. Depending on which bit of his testimony you listen to, yeah, some and bits you can of listen it, to all of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some, <laughs> some bits of it which last <laughs> ten seconds are bear no relation to the, <laughs> the subsequent ten seconds. So uh, yeah. it's a very interesting. Listen, uh, but some yeah, some bits of it say that the FBI contacted him for help uh, restoring the yeah, data because because yeah. yeah. like I'm sure he's the FBI's go-to guy for that stuff. They don't have any computer well, scientists I, I in the go FBI. To him. He's only charged eighty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, um, he keeps it for a year before yeah. you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But also, rather than just giving it the F- to the FBI, uh, make sure that he he takes a copy. And gives that to Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah. Because if there's one person that you can trust with sensitive to, data, yeah, it's Rudy. To make sure that you know that you don't get killed, like Seth Rich, yeah, got threatened with. Yeah. If you're if you're an if you are a fan of and an adherent to conspiracy theories then of course you'd go to rudy Giuliani. yeah of course yeah because yeah. he's the you know he's he's a guardian angel when it comes to um you yeah. know frightening the bejeebus out of you and convincing you to that yeah you see i'm i was all the way through this i'm going any minute now jacob wall <laughs> is gonna yeah, pop up absolutely yeah I yeah. I totally thought well they've been taking notes from from Jack Burtman and Jacob Wall yeah. haven't they they've, yeah. they've they've been like consulting on how to do yeah. a political scandal yeah um, from the two guys in jail <laughs> yeah yes he's yeah well and and actually some of the not only are these emails you know dodgy in the in the extreme uh-huh. no no apparent dates no nothing that corresponds well there's to mostly anything. screenshots no um yeah. no metadata. actual no nothing you can check no so you know <laughs> and it's not without not outside the realm of possibility that that mac mac isaac with his um registered blind could might be able to operate if he can operate a computer repair shop he's probably able to operate photoshop yeah um they were um giuliani gave them to the new york post um and so it was reported and this was all reported kind of broken in the new york post the smoking gun emails um and yeah. uh they have not been verified by any 
actual newspaper. <laughs> no. The, no. The, like, very, the Washington Post, New York Times, everyone has contacted the New York Post and said, OK, give us the data, give us the information. You know, we, yeah. we will also look at it and we will report on what we find. Yeah. And they, they like basically peer review. Yep. said yep. no. And you can't get the metadata because it's just um, screenshots. And the Wall and Street no, Journal... And nobody thought to say... Yeah, these are just screenshots. Yeah. So there's no metadata. <laughs> Perhaps we ought not to take them at face value. Yeah. You know, where Maybe did they get this stuff from? They, yeah. they didn't even contact the Biden campaign to, to like say, look, we've got these things. What do you think? Can you yeah. give us a quote? They didn't do yeah, yeah. any of that. Um, also, uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, opinion page uh, yeah. reported on this uh, entirely credulously. And a few days yeah. later, the Wall Street Journal news pages said no yeah. that's bullshit <laughs> yeah 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 so and and didn't they have corroborating emails from other jailbirds well they, uh, um yeah i mean the thing is this has all been filtered through criminals because yeah um i mean apart from rudy who has yeah. claimed that that the attacks in fact he's claimed that the borat film that's just come out on amazon prime right. um yeah. is in response to him kind of revealing truths about Democrats, <laughs> which is interesting right. because it was filmed over the last couple of years and uh, and this has only come out this week. So, yeah. but the but I've seen the Borat film and yeah. he does not come across well. Uh, right. Because I, I, he's been duped by... Yeah. Baron Cohen. He's, he's yeah. been duped by, well, Cohen and, and his co-star... Um, yeah. into doing an interview and then heading into her um, bedroom for a drink right. and then yeah. Yeah. lying down on the bed. And, and he yeah. claims he was tucking his shirt in, um, <laughs> but his hands were down his his yeah. front of his pants. Um, I mean, it's quick. It's a quick shot. It Possibly maybe he was tucking his shirt in. It's a fucking weird way to do it. I've never lied down on a bed to tuck my shirt in. No. Um no, because as soon as you stand up, we all get, come untucked. It's you know, weird. we've all watched yeah. enough episodes of Jean Luc Picard straightening <laughs> his shirt every time he stands up. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, he doesn't doesn't do well. Anyway, so he <laughs> yeah he's claimed that that that's uh, due to this, but yeah, it was largely publicised through uh, obviously the New York Post, but also Steve Bannon, who is currently right. like under indictment for fraud. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, the. People who have come out with kind of corroborating emails are uh, Hunter Biden's like unhappy uh, business partners, right. uh, Tony Bobulinski, um, yeah. and Bevan Cooney, uh, Cooney, who are both. Um, in fact, I think Bevan Cooney is actually in prison at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and and Bobulinski is is uh, um, fighting a fraud case at the moment as well. Yeah, and. Yeah, they, no, so none of them fine, upstanding are even systems. slightly trustworthy at all. No, <laughs> um, uh, and and also none of the stuff that they've got implicates Joe Biden in any way. It's no. really weird. The worst stuff they can come up with. Um, it's like the 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 smoking gun email is yeah. from uh, Burisma board advisor Vadim Poshasky mm-hmm. uh, from April 2015, and it says. Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to DC and giving me an opportunity uh, to meet your father and spend some time together. It's realty and honour and pleasure. And uh, first of all, there, there's no evidence that 
Hunter Biden replied to that email. Uh, it's not clear from that that it that the meeting actually happened. It says thank you for inviting me to DC and giving me an opportunity mm. to meet your father. Yeah. Um, it's there's no indication that anything other than meeting his father might have happened. Like, yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And 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 there's no evidence that that meeting actually happened. Yeah. Whereas so, there's a lot of evidence that meetings between dodgy russians yeah. in the and members of trump's family took place several times on trump property and it's all been corroborated by such luminaries as the cia and yeah. the fbi yeah so you know stuff rather than dodgy geezers doing time in in chokey sending emails that kind of go yeah he done it all right yeah mm. and bob yes. linsky's emails um are mostly about a a deal that they were trying to set up mm. bob linsky and, and uh hunter biden and business associates of theirs with with a chinese energy tycoon in may 2017 so when joe biden wasn't vice president anymore right um yes. and uh they had a a, a kind of split uh, of of the equity it says at the moment there's provisional agreement that the equity will be distributed as follows 20 h 20 rw 20 jg 20 tb 10 jim and 10 held for by h for the big guy question mark um so the bobolinsky claims that the big guy is joe biden but there's a question mark after it so it's like shall we also keep 10 percent for assuming he's telling the truth joe biden um and and then uh later on a message six days later um hunter says his chairman who is also assumed by the people by fox news certainly to be joe biden um gave him an emphatic no oh so so this this evidence appears to show that after Biden was vice president, after he stopped being vice president, his yeah. son and some business associates tried to set up a deal with a Chinese energy tycoon that actually never happened, uh, offered him 10% of the deal, and he said no. Yeah, so he said no to a deal that didn't happen yeah. when he wasn't holding public office. Okay, so why are we, why are we bothered about that then? <laughs> Whereas Trump... <laughs> yeah, heading to yeah. the White House, if not already there, hosted on his property a meeting between uh, him, his son, no, his son-in-law, his son yeah. as well, yeah, um, and yeah, with, Joe, with dodgy Russians who were going to give him information in exchange for favours. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. I can same see thing, the, the, the yeah, same, yeah. <laughs> the same thing, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, well, and, and obviously yeah. the all of Trump's family and all the right wing media are going. Why aren't the media reporting on this very important information? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> While well, the media is going, yeah, because it looks like bullshit. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing to report. You know, a plane yeah. has gone down with five hundred people on it. We haven't yeah. reported that. So why would we bother with a couple of it's old, so bizarre out of context emails? That's so good that these just desperately clawing at the playbook from 2016. You know, in the, and also in the Tony, Tony Bobolinsky was apparently taken 
by Trump to the to the last debate, the final debate, as oh, like well, his yeah. guest. But Bobolinsky right. was neither mentioned nor shown on camera at the debate. No. So he must have just been sitting there the whole time thinking, yeah, this is this is my moment. I'm going to be famous. And I mean, to be yeah. fair, if, if he had mentioned him, everyone would have been like, who? Who's that? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he was like um, right in the line of fire of Joe Biden and yeah. he was gone. I've got a freaking clue who that is. So, yeah. And what's your relationship to me? Well, <laughs> I managed to leak this made-up email about a deal where you oh, refused boy. to have 10% of something that didn't happen. Yeah, so the news is that um, there's there's some very sketchy evidence that basically nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> that's as, that's as yeah. bad as it so gets. There's, so there's no, nothing happened at all, and there's very little evidence to support that. Yes. Yeah. So it might yeah, it kind of left also be a nothing. lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that actually means that there's... This kind of it's a negative event because the, <laughs> the evidence to support that nothing happened is itself dodgy, which kind of renders it below zero. Does it, <laughs> if we multiply the oh, probabilities yeah. together. So fortunately, there's now, as this, uh, this podcast comes out less than a week to go before this. Well, it's not over. Let's face it. It's not going to be over. First of all, certainly it's not going to be over till January, but even election night, it's not going to be over. But the beginning of the end um yeah. for this we we at least don't have to last that much longer but yeah i mean if this was the october surprise i mean jesus yeah <laughs> go and yeah. vote go and, go and go teach and him a lesson yeah teach him a lesson. <laughs> put an end to it all put him out of his misery <laughs> send send him back to a hospital where they can fill him up with steroids again and uh, we need never hear of him again and finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. After refusing to take part in a virtual second debate because he really wanted to try to infect Biden, Trump opted instead for a town hall at NBC, at the exact same time as Biden's town hall on ABC. NBC's Savannah Guthrie asked some questions which the right-wing media described as ambushing Trump, including asking him why he retweeted a conspiracy theory about Obama and Biden having SEAL Team 6 killed to cover up for the fact that they didn't really kill Osama bin Laden. He claimed that since it was only a retweet, it was fine, and Guthrie told him, you're the president, you're not someone's crazy uncle who can retweet whatever. Mary Trump would like a word. The following week, the third, or is it technically the second debate, happened, and Trump showed us all what it's like when he lies more quietly. The simple fact he didn't have to be physically restrained meant that much of the media applauded his new tone for the God knows how manyth time. But the lies came so thick and fast that CNN fact-checker Daniel Dale said fact-checking Trump was like I Love Lucy in the Chocolate Factory. Keen to make sure his lies also had just enough racism in to please his base, Trump claimed that catching and releasing at the border meant that only the 1% of immigrants with the lowest IQ showed up to their court dates. It's very on-brand of Trump to assume the only reason people would follow the rules is if they're stupid, and equally on-brand to be about as wrong as you can be. According to data from the Transactional Records Clearinghouse, 99% of asylum seekers show up to their court dates and 75% of immigrants overall. Yep. 
In the run-up to Christmas 1969, a billboard was rented in Times Square that declared war is over if you want it. Happy Christmas from John and Yoko. Charming in its naivety, it still managed to stir the ire of the then-Republican administration to begin a six-year campaign through the FBI to deport Lenin from America because he was intimately connected with the hearts and minds of the young and active voting populace and thus seemed to be dangerous to the incumbent leader. Fifty-odd years later on, Trump's own horrible John and Yoko mashup Jarvanka have been shown how they're not at all in touch with any people except themselves, maybe each other, no, probably not, when the Lincoln Project took out possibly even the very same billboard, emblazoned with Ivanka doing a game show host reveal of the magic numbers of New Yorkers and Americans dead from Trump's non-handling of the virus, and Jared standing beside body bags and his own words, New Yorkers are going to suffer and that's their problem. And to exacerbate the entitled white privilege message, the two petulant toddlers then threatened to sue the Lincoln Project with really big things because it's not fair. And never you mind that he did say that and that those numbers are correct or that pesky First Amendment we are so fond of referring to when we're being offensive, just you wait and see. One feels the power of wait till I tell my dad, who turns out isn't the Mafia Don he thinks we think he is at all, after all, fails to carry the weight they think it does. Go right ahead, the Lincoln Project said, tweeting Jared and Ivanka have always been entitled out-of-touch bullies who've never given the slightest indication they have any regard for the American people. We plan on showing them the same level of respect. And so do we. <laughs> I think uh, the letter that Jarvanka wrote to the Lincoln Project was was actually yeah. penned by uh, Trump lawyer Mark Kasowitz, who ended it <laughs> by saying something like, um, "If you don't take it down, basically, we'll sue you for what will probably be an enormous amount of money or something." Yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really big yeah. things <laughs> will happen. Just yeah. to wait. Yeah. <laughs> and I think if Jarvanka are John and Yoko, I think they're somehow both Yoko. I think that's the only way that works. <laughs> yeah. No, you see, no, no yeah. not even that. Yeah. <laughs> Trump keeps making the mistake of sitting down for interviews with actual journalists and then being amazed when it doesn't go well for him. Last week it was Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes' turn and she opened up by asking Trump if he was ready for some tough questions. He said he was not and thus the tone was set for the interview. Stahl kicked off with a really tough one that Trump couldn't possibly have prepared for. Why do you want to be re-elected? Around 30 minutes in, Trump decided to end the interview early, but what Leslie Stahl and her team didn't know was that Trump the genius had a plan. The four-dimensional chess master outsmarted everyone at 60 minutes by releasing the full video of him whining like a little bitch about how he can't cope with tough questions on his Twitter account a few days before it would air on CBS. Yeah, that showed them. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, didn't edit it at all. No. Just bunged the whole thing out saying well yeah we'll get this out before they do so that you can see the fake news manipulating Earlier. me <laughs> silly ass just in case you were worried that you're worried that this world has been completely fucked up and in no small part due to the idiocracy of naranja j trump and his vaudeville circus dictator act let the calm, rock-steady conservatism of the grand old party reassure you that your fears of being delusional are completely unfounded. 
it's official. We are living on planet FUBAR because they've announced in all seriousness that the top two policies for looking out for you in their next term in office are establish permanent manned presence on the moon, send the first manned mission to Mars. Yep. Can't do anything about whoever failed to make America great again this time round. Let's get off the planet and fuck up another one. Whilst calling to mind Douglas Adams' ideas to send all the useless people off to another world under the misapprehension that they're going ahead of everyone else to establish working governments, hairdressing salons and artisanal coffee bars, way you go, Donnie, you first. You can be the king of an entire globe. It goes on to list, build world's greatest infrastructure system and establish national high-speed wireless internet network. So, yeah, no hint of tackling A, the virus crisis, B, the dismantling of representational democracy, C, the tanking economy, and D, the plight of out-of-work steel workers and farmers through ignorant trade deals. Nope, nothing. Still, could be worse. UK government could be calling their track and trace system similarly a moonshot mission. <laughs> oh, no, wait. <laughs> The the thing is about releasing these plans for the next term after yeah. the last debate is yeah. that Trump's main tactic in the final debate was to say to Joe, any time Joe said something he would do if elected, Trump said, well, why didn't you do it when you were vice president? Um, yeah. And, and Biden couldn't use the same tactic because Trump hasn't said anything he'll do. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, but, yeah. But now that they have... Like build world's yeah. greatest infrastructure system. Yeah, I, you couldn't even get an infrastructure week happening in your first four years. <laughs> yeah, and that's what. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, quite. Yeah, yeah. Uh. They could be dismantle. He's dismantled yeah. possibly the world's one of the world's greatest infrastructures. Oh, <clears throat> yeah, and yeah, <laughs> and if not, if not the world's infrastructure <laughs> yeah. itself. Yeah. <laughs> Reporters noticed last week that Mitch McConnell seems to be rotting from the inside out, with horribly discoloured band-aid adorned hands and bruises on his face. Like normal humans, they asked if he was okay, and like Mitch McConnell, he lied that there was nothing wrong and no concerns about his health. Mitch is definitely that guy in the zombie movies who claims he hasn't been bitten just so he doesn't get left behind, even though he knows he's about to turn into a soulless monster who destroys everybody's lives by refusing to even take a vote on hundreds of bills that have been passed by the House and ramming through a Supreme Court nominee. Wait, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, he's also a zombie, probably. <laughs> what is going on? That's fucking weird. I don't know. You can't really... Well, either that, you know, I I want to see what's going on up his sleeves. That's, Something you know. he's basic. I think he's died, and they're just <laughs> keeping him. It's like a weekend at Bernie's thing. Yeah. Until yeah. they've until they get through the election. Yeah. And then they'll yeah. say, no, he yeah, they'll he's, switch him off. Died, he's yeah. dead. He's yeah. Been, he's been dead for three months. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Yes. Yeah, the evil is showing. Basically, is what it is. Yeah. It's coming through his skin. Either that or his wife is just actually... They are kind of defence wounds. I suspect he's got <laughs> scratches on his arms. You know, his wife's just taking an uh, an axe to him. Every, you know, every yeah. time he walks in, axe, pickaxe handle across the face. Oh, yeah, you can't yeah. blame her, frankly. No, well, he's that no. quite. Yeah, you go for it. Those bastions of public order and stability in Fresno, California, the Baptist Church, the Fresno County Republican Party headquarters and the local gun shops, for Christ's sake, have all been proving that voter fraud is real 
by attempting to commit voter fraud. These locations are listed by the local Republican Party headquarters as secure drop-off points for ballots. And they're not. So sure they are that people who vote will vote Democrat that they're putting apparently officially sanctioned boxes where law-abiding, God-fearing, gun-toting voters go, presumably to take them, once full, to the nearest GOP-sanctioned drop-off box incineration facility. The Californian State Republican Party has not responded officially to questions about the boxes, but it has defended its position on Twitter. If a congregation slash business or other group provides the option to its parishioners slash associates slash colleagues to drop off their ballot in a safe location with people they trust, rather than handing it over to a stranger who knocks on their door, what's wrong with that? If you can't see why it is wrong, nor indeed see that you committed the fallacy of a false dilemma, then you are not fit to be in charge of the process of voting, nor indeed in office both of which, incidentally, are enforceable by law, apparently. In invoking Will Self himself, I just know that those stupid enough to use the fake boxes will all be Republican voters anyway. OK, I know this is going to sound weird, but I've got some good news. <gasps> San Francisco legislators have passed a hate crime bill giving people the right to sue anyone who makes a 911 call to target people of colour, basically living while black. That's pretty good, but the best part is that it's called the Caution Against Racial and Exploitative Non-Emergencies Act, but it's better known by its acronym, the Karen Act. That is brilliant. Fucking brilliant. That is excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, in another week of a peculiarly British Armageddon, a soccer player is talking more sense than a politician about the need to provide free school meals during the school holidays now that half the country is closed so no one's in work and can't afford to shop nor go anywhere to eat because half the country's closed. Ministers voted with some relish, ironically a foodstuff in the UK, to deny an increasing population of food insecure children a free meal in a throwback to the joys of a traditional Dickensian Christmas. The first time that no one's actually complaining about how much money footballers actually earn in a week compared with, say, I don't know, health workers, teachers, food bank staff. Boris got arsy with the Europeans after they said, OK, we will do what you ask and compromise on some things so we can get back around the table to talk over this deal of yours you promised us when the UK voted you in last December that hasn't appeared yet, saying they didn't agree fast enough. Ignoring that they didn't know they had to until he flounced out from the talks previously because they asked some hard questions like, where's the fucking deal the UK voted you in for last December, etc, etc. And just when the rule of six got augmented with three tiers only weeks after we got used to the three medium high and very high levels, rather than fix anything like, say, the £12 billion subscription to Office 365, Boris is considering introducing Tier 4 to help explain it all, just like he didn't when he couldn't give any details about how long these local lockdowns that aren't a national lockdown, just every county in the country is an interlocking set of individuals' lockdowns, might last. Hurry up with the rocket ships, Elon. The queues are building. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com. And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. 
If you think we've used fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, where you can access a vast library of extras like all the chapters of Bob Woodward's book, Fear Trump in the White House, and many episodes of us trying to make sense of the QAnon published thing, an invitation to the Great Awakening, oh, and a not-to-be-missed review of the movie Ghost Can't Do It with Bo Derek and a certain Donald J. Trump, just like our newest patrons, Mike Thunder, Kaz Tui, Rachel Addison, and Resolved OA should adopt a policy to do a live show in Cleveland, and our strawman-level patrons, Schmutz, Mark Breike, and Amber R. Buchanan, and our true Scotsman-level top patron, Lauren. Thank you so much, everyone. We really appreciate your support. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump. All music is by the Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.